could go on for another hour listening to that. Amen. Wow, that was beautiful. Well, uh, I'm Matt Bartlett, our children and family pastor, if I've never met you before. And uh, Dr. Mills is normally here speaking, but he is in Guatemala right now. Him and Tommy Fountain are in Guatemala in Takanah, and they're scoping out the next missions project for our church and what God has for us. And they're meeting people and meeting, meeting city council and leaders. And uh, so be in prayer for them, for their safety, and that God will bring them to the right people and lead them the right ways. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God has next for our uh, church. Well, I've been reading about nine months ago, Jacob and Esau, and just really been speaking to my heart. And uh, six weeks ago, Dr. Mills asked me if I would fill in for the WOW service. I said, sure, you know, we've been in Genesis, and I'd love to. I said, as long as it's not on something hard like incest or circumcision or something like that. And uh, lo and behold, I get Genesis chapter 25, and guess who's, who's, who it's about? Jacob and Esau. And you know, we've been going week by week, chapter by chapter in Genesis, and uh, tonight falls on Genesis 25. So I hope I don't blow it, all right? A lot of pressure here. And if I do, well, then Tommy Fountain was speaking tonight, all right? It was, it was him. So uh, we've been talking a lot about the life of Abraham. Uh, wow, what a man, what a patriarch. James chapter 2, verse 23 describes Abraham as God's friend. How would you like that as a description? Abraham was God's friend. He's mentioned in the New Testament 60 times. He's only behind one other guy who was mentioned 80 times, and that was Moses in the New Testament. And we know Abraham is the father of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11:8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow, what faith. If God asks you to move, to leave, to go and you don't know where that is, that is obedience and faith. Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. So we're looking at the remarkable life of Father Abraham in this chapter, in Genesis chapter 25, if you haven't opened your Bibles already. Genesis chapter 25, I titled the message, uh, Faithful Unto Death, all right? Uh, next slide. As you know that Abraham was the father of many nations. You might be surprised to learn that he had a second wife, and the second wife's name was Keturah, and through his wife Keturah, after Sarah has passed away and been buried, they have six more sons. And what's the one name that stands out to me is Midian. Maybe you've heard of Midian. That was one of the six sons that were born to Abraham and Keturah, and later on we'll see uh, Zipporah, who comes from Midian, who marries Moses, and Jethro, the father-in-law, is from Midian as well. But, uh, so six sons through Keturah, one through Hagar, and then, of course, Isaac, who was through Sarah. And we know that Isaac was the child of promise. Out of these eight sons through Abraham, he was the child of promise. And in verse 1 through 6, he does something very smart. After these sons are born, he blesses Isaac. He gives everything to his son Isaac, the promised one. And he sends everyone else away. He sends all the other family away to the east so that just Isaac and his new wife can be together and there's no temptation. We'll get into that in just a second. But Abraham learned his lesson. He was very smart to 
send that family away because you remember what happened to him when he was waiting for a child. He took things into his own hands and had a child through Hagar. And so, lesson learned, he removes the temptation for his son, Isaac. All right, next slide. Let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 25. Uh, we'll start in verse 7 through 11. Genesis 25, 7 through 11. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last, and he died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Verse 9, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite. The field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried, and Sarah his wife. Verse 11, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahoi. Roy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the time of worship we've experienced, that you are worthy of our praise. Every breath we have belongs to you, and you are so deserving. And Father, now I ask that you would meet with us, Father. Send your Holy Spirit to help us, teach us something, Father. And I pray through these next few moments, Lord, that somehow you'd use us so we might grow closer to you, Father. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Abraham has passed away here in Genesis chapter 25. And uh, just to, to remember, it began when he was at the age of 75, all right? That's when God came to him, and that's where the Abrahamic covenant comes in, and he tells him to go. And uh, at this point, they have no children. And then when he reaches the age of 100, Isaac was finally born. Now, leaving your family is a big deal back then. It is still today to uproot and go somewhere without your family, but imagine back in those days, leaving your extended family, who was your comfort, your provision, your protection, that was a big deal, to uproot and to go and not know where you're going. Well, Isaac's born uh, at the age of 100, and it's, it's just like God. He, he takes the impossible and makes it possible. Hebrews eleven twelve 12 describes Abraham, listen to this, Abraham was as good as dead. How do you like that description? Before he had any children, his body was as good as dead, and God took the impossible and made it possible, and through Sarah, they birthed their first child. Uh, I think God has a, a sense of humor because Abraham, the name means exalted father, all right? Before he had any children, you know, I imagine he would introduce himself to someone new and said, I'm Abraham, and that meant exalted father. And they'd be, oh, wonderful. Well, how many children do you have, exalted father? Well, none right now. It must have been very difficult to have that title, but we knew what God had in mind for him. Uh, finally, Sarah has a baby, and I can just see the laughs as these hundred-year-old uh, people are pushing uh, Isaac around in a, in a stroller, this new baby in a stroller, and I know they're so old that they're near the, the use of a wheelchair, and they're pushing, I imagine, a very slow stroller through the neighborhood, and people would, would uh, find that very interesting. But God did just what he promised, because when Abraham died at 175, in Genesis 15, we read that 
God was going to bury him at a good old age. God promised in Genesis 15 that he would be buried at a good old age. And, of course, God was faithful. What a man of faith. What remarkable obedience for us. All right, next slide. I love this verse. And being, thinking about being faithful unto death, it says, Therefore, Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, there we go, which clings, lost my place. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which is so easily ensnares us. And we read the next part where it says, and, ready, and let us run. Abraham ran that race with faith, and Abraham finished strong. And my challenge tonight for you and for me is to run that race and to finish strong. I've got a video here about to show you, but it was a 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, and a guy named Derek Redmond was a runner in the 400-meter race. And he begins to run the race, and something goes wrong. And, and when I think of that verse of Hebrews 12:1, it reminds me of this video in Derek Redmond. Derek tears his hamstring. begins to cheer him on. The security comes to try and stop the father because that's a disqualification, but his dad doesn't stop the help. crosses the finish line. (laughs) 
let us run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author. That means he's writing our story, and he's the finisher of our faith. And I love that video, and I think about that verse in that video together. Well, Abraham finished strong, and my challenge to you is to be faithful unto death. Follow Abraham's example. We're going to move to the next slide, and we're going to get into Isaac and Rebekah. So even though Abraham has passed away, the work must go on. And so Isaac comes on, and lo and behold, Rebekah is barren. She cannot have children, and this goes on for 20 years. What was their response? They're, they prayed, prayers, patience. You know, I was, I was thinking Sarah was, came first, and she may have been barren for 80 years or so. They had no children. We don't know the beginning of her story, but she was barren for perhaps 80 years, and now Sarah, her womb has been closed for 20 years, and husband and wife both praying. The Bible says they were pleading for a child, and God grants that 20 years later. There's a struggle going on. Now that she's expecting, there's a struggle going on. And I, th I think this is amazing, this ultrasound here. God comes to them, and then he reveals the gender of the babies, two of them, all right? He says to Rebecca, you're going to have two boys. And he not only does he tell the gender and how many she's having, but he also reveals their destiny. Now, how cool is that for an ultrasound? He tells, uh, God tells Rebecca that uh, there are two nations inside of you, and they're going to be divided nations and fighting, and that's what the struggle is even now inside of you. And then he even says this, the older one, the older child will serve the younger one. And so we have Esau who becomes the Edomites, and Jacob, of course, becomes the who? Israelites, yeah, he gets his name changed and becomes the Israelites. I mean, I just thought, what a cool God, and what a neat picture of an ultrasound, and I think Dan Crumley might have an announcement for us. Hey! Awesome, awesome. Sorry to put you on the spot there. What a, what a blessing, and uh, I don't think your ultrasound, just one, all right? <laughs> Uh, do you know the destiny of just that one now? Uh, well, the, uh, the birth happens, and uh, the first one comes out, Harry, and they name him Harry. He comes first, and then Jacob comes apparently immediately after Esau, because the name Jacob means the one who held on to the heel, the one who was holding on. And I thought, man, that poor mom, to think that one child was born and the other was born almost immediately after and so we have Harry and hand holding heel Jacob and uh, I think most of you know that I'm an identical twin and uh, my mom I was going to be baby number four she'd already had three and she was an expert by now and so uh, baby number four didn't turn out quite that way and so she was delivering me and the doctor said uh, Miss Bartlett I think there's another one and my wife, uh, my, excuse me, my mom said, another what? And sure enough, three minutes later came Michael Bartlett, uh, my identical twin. And I was just doing a little research on, on the average time a twin is born in, uh, apart from each other. You know what the average minutes are? 17 minutes is the average for the second twin to come. And uh, in this story, apparently, it's immediately after because... 
Jacob was hand-holding the heel. Uh, something that happens in these verses as well is, is something that drives me nuts, and that's favoritism. You see, Isaac had a favorite, the hunter, the one that hunted. And Rebekah had a favorite, uh, Jacob, the one that was the mild man who stayed home and, and cooked and things like that. And I just can't stand favoritism. Moms and dads, grandparents, I hope you don't have favorites. You are called to be a mom and a dad to all of your children. You know that I have four of them, and they don't, I don't have any favorites. I was going to say they don't know who my favorite is, but that would have been. <laughs> that's not true. They're all my favorite. And uh, when they were young, when Brianna and Megan were young, I used to bring one of them over and whisper in their ear. I said, hey, don't tell anybody that you're my favorite. And then about a minute later, I'd go to the other one, and I'd whisper in her ear, and I'd say, hey, don't tell anybody you're my favorite. I don't think y'all remember that, do you? You remember that? All right. And, you know, after five years old, they caught on. I was telling them both that they were my favorites. But uh, please, please don't show favoritism. Uh, Isaac and Rebecca were doing that with Esau and Jacob, and that leads to problems in the home, problems in the family. All right, next slide. Let's read uh, verses 29 through 34, Genesis 25. Uh, 29 through 34, and find out about this, these twins here, Jacob and Esau. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was what? Weary, hungry, famished, weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Verse 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Wow. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. And then look at the next part here. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, back then, birthrights were very valuable, and they, they meant a lot more back then. And if you were to get the birthright in the Bible days, that meant you got a double portion of the inheritance. So whatever the money was, the oldest son would get twice the amount. Uh, another advantage of the birthright would be you would be the leader of the family, the patriarch. Uh, you would be the one that called the shots for your younger brothers and sisters. And of course, in this case, number three, you would be the spiritual blessing. You see, out of this lineage comes the Messiah, comes Jesus. And it amazes me here, I, later on when God introduces himself to Moses, you remember how he describes himself? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. No, he doesn't say that. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Esau lost a lot, all for a bowl of bean soup. In today's language, that would be for a can of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> he sold it. He was impulsive. I mean, how temporary? How long does a bowl of soup last? How long does bean soup last? Well, you might eat it for five minutes. Uh, if you're Bob Mueller, you might take 10 minutes and enjoy it, right? Uh, but 
Think about he traded the temporary, the five minutes of pleasure, the ten minutes of pleasure was given up for this birthright. It just amazes me. Well, it's kind of scary to think about, but every one of us in here is one bad decision from ruining our lives. Every one of us in this room is one bad decision from ruining your testimony. And that scares me, and that should scare you. Uh, maybe you're one bad decision away from going to jail. Even sweet Nancy Bruce, one bad decision <laughs> from going to jail. If you go to jail, we'll visit you, though, all right? And we'll, we'll try and get you out. But that scares me that every one of us, just like Esau, is one bad decision away. One bad decision away from destroying our families, and that's dangerous. Next slide, I, I love this saying here. Uh, when your stomach gets what? Your standards get what? Lower. When your stomach gets empty, your standards get lower. You've all heard the expression, don't ever go to the grocery store on a what? Yeah, why not? You buy everything, all right? Never go to the grocery store on an empty stomach. Well, uh, when Carl and I were first married, we used to play, I used to play basketball on Wednesday nights after church, and I was very thirsty one night. She asked me to pick something up at the store, and so I go to the grocery store very thirsty, and I find myself buying lots of Gatorades and lots of bottles of water, and I go by the milk section get the chocolate milk, and uh, I think we were drinking Dr. Pepper at the time, and I come home with all these drinks, and she says, did you get the broccoli? Oops, I forgot the broccoli. Uh, swipe right, Levi Lusco says this, I love it, now yells louder but later lasts longer. Now yells louder, but later lasts longer. You know, the devil has tremendous timing. Your enemy and my enemy finds us at our lowest. When we're spiritually low, guess who shows up? When we're financially low, guess who shows up? When we're physically tired, exhausted, worn out, and wiped out, the devil has tremendous timing. The next phrase here says, don't trade what you want most for right now. Don't trade what you want most for right now. Um, you see, there's something called comfort sin. You know, who shows up just when you and your spouse are fighting and the big fight blows up? Who shows up? Who wants to ruin you right then? Who, the phone rings and it's trouble. Don't answer the phone is what Levi Lesko says. When you're at your lowest, let the phone go to voicemail. If, if someone could have called a timeout here for Esau, if someone could have stopped him and said, Esau, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize what you're throwing away for five minutes of pleasure and enjoyment? Think about Jesus in the New Testament. After 40 days, who shows up? And he tempts Jesus three times. And how does Jesus fight those temptations? He quotes Scripture. Three times he says what? It is written. And he'll give a Bible verse to counter the temptations that he's facing. 
it is written. Psalm 119, David said, your word have I hid in my heart. Guys, we need to be full on God's word. Everybody say, be full on God's word. Everybody say, have a full spiritual stomach. Yeah, well, how do we do that? Well, we read the Bible, we spend time in prayer, we submit to Christ, and so we want a full spiritual stomach. Uh, I was thinking earlier today about inheritances and uh, lineages, and I was, I was thinking, you know, if I could choose who would be in my, above me in my inheritance, who, who would be in my lineage above me, and I thought, of course, probably Peyton would say Bill Gates, Right? And I was thinking, my childhood here, I'd love to be in Michael Jordan's uh, inheritance. And of course, you know who the richest man alive is right now? The guy that owns Amazon? Jeff Bezos. He's worth $136 billion. How would you like to be in the lineage of that? Well, you know, it's just money. I've got something better than that. The next slide. I got something better than that. There's something even better if you're a Christian. You have God's inheritance that's waiting for you. Uh, you want some good news? Next slide. You want some good news? Go home and read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. I mean, this will bless you. You are, have access to every spiritual blessing. That should excite us. We're adopted into God's family. That's awesome. Complete acceptance by God in Jesus. You know what that means? If you think about that statement, that is awesome. True and total what? Forgiveness. And that should say an eternal inheritance. This inheritance, you know, Jeff Bezos, his $136 billion will pass away, right? This inheritance that I'm talking about is eternal. In Ephesians 1, we read that there's a guarantee. How do you know we have this, this inheritance waiting for us? Well, God answers that, or Jesus answers that through the scriptures. It's by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This inheritance is guaranteed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Christians, we should be excited about that. We should, you know, I thought about showing a video where a game buzzer goes off and your favorite team wins and the fans go nuts and go wild. Because Duke lost, or UNC lost, or Kentucky Wildcats lost. <laughs> uh, I get about everyone. Uh, but man, when we, we, we hear someone got saved, amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we should get excited when we hear stuff like that. Well, God's inheritance is waiting for you. April 15, 1912. Any historians in here? Anybody know what happened on April 15, 1912? It's tax day. Uh, I don't know about taxes today, 1912, probably so. Uh, there was a pastor from Scotland, and his name was John Harper, and he was going to go, he, was, uh, he preached a revival at the Moody Institute, the church in Chicago, the Moody Church, and he had such a great revival, they invited him back from Scotland to come back to Chicago and to preach this revival. And so he decides to wait a week. Instead of going over on the ship, the Lusitania or whatever, he decides to go on the Titanic, April 15, 1912. 
and his six-year-old daughter goes with him. So John Harper gets on the maiden voyage of the, the Titanic, the unsinkable ship, it's deemed as, and he's headed on the way to Chicago to preach a revival, and something goes wrong. Do we have that video, Zach?
I'm a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper at Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No. I said, I am not. He replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away, but strange to say, brought him back a little later, and he said, Are you saved now? No, I said. I cannot honestly say that I am. He said again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And shortly after, he went down. And there alone in the night, and with two miles of water under me, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. That was written by Aguilla Webb. And the only way we know that is because on that night, only seven people were plucked from the icy water. The lifeboats went back, and they got John Harper's last convert. He was one of the seven who survived. And he testified of that story four years later in a church in Canada. Guys, the point of this message is, is that something that you and I will do? Will you finish strong? Will you run the race even when it hurts? Will you follow Abraham's example and be faithful unto death? Last slide here in closing. <clears throat> we are to finish strong. But you know what the best part is? Even when times we are not faithful, you know what the best part is? What does it say up there? God is faithful. Even when we blow it, even when Abraham blew it, God is faithful. We have a good heavenly father, a good, good father. And I told you earlier about Esau and how your entire life can change in just a moment, right? For the bad. Well, do you know your entire life can change for the good in just a moment? If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word.